Hello and welcome to the world-famous Driving You Crazy podcast. This is the show where we talk all things transportation, anything that gets you from here to there. I am the traffic anchor and the transportation reporter for Denver 7 News, Jason Luber. And coming up today on the show, we are keeping true to our world-famous moniker and going global once again. That's right, this time we are going to Sweden I think it's the first time we've talked to somebody in Sweden, and we're going to be talking to Leo Waldenbach. Leo is the co-founder of an app called Zootobi, spelled Z-U-T-O-B-I. You can actually get the link to their website in the description of this show. Zootobi is an app that helps teach driving education to new, and I suppose old drivers, right there on your phone. You can also use it on your computer. And I think actually in many ways, it might be better on your computer because they have this blog as part of their website that is full of great information about how you deal with different driving situations. So Leo and I, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about how the app works. Uh, We'll talk about how it helps drivers learn the rules of the road. And, And it's not just an app for the United States. Obviously, he's in Sweden and they developed the app to help out people around the world, whether you're in Australia or France or Germany. or I mean, you can, you can learn driving uh, techniques and, and learn the rules of the road in all kinds of different countries around the world. So if you want to learn how to drive, I suppose, in Spain, you can download the app and maybe you could set it for rules of the road in Spain, and, and there you go. So uh, we'll be talking to Leo coming up in just a little bit. But first, have you seen police cars that look a little bit stealth-y? That's not really a word, is it? Stealthy. In other words, you've seen those police cars that don't have markings on them. They they look like a Dodge Charger or or maybe a Crown Victoria. I mean, you could kind of tell that they're they're an unmarked police car. And sometimes you can. I I actually saw the other day this uh, pickup truck that was outfitted as a police car because I think police are trying to get a little bit more creative with their stealth vehicles so you're, you're not aware of you're, you might be aware of a uh, of a crown Victoria that looks like a, a, a police car but you might not be aware of a well, it's just a regular pickup truck that looks like a that, that's a police car that doesn't look like it but it is and so you go blowing past them at 20 miles an hour over the speed limit and zoom there they, they, they catch you I mean they, they they look like usually um, just a regular, a regular car so they can hide in plain sight. I, I think if you look close enough, I, at least I can, if you really look close enough, you can tell that they're a police car The well, the Florida highway patrol is going one step beyond. They're now using this stealth semi truck to catch speeders. And what they're doing is repurposing Florida Department of Transportation trucks. I mean, a regular semi truck. Because when you when you when you're looking at a truck, you have the tractor, the truck part, and then you have the trailer. So they have this the Florida Department of Transportation truck. They make it look like it's the Florida Highway Patrol, and now they're using it to catch speeders. Because it started out being a tactic just to radio ahead, so there would be a, an officer up there in this truck. And they'd just be driving down the road. And, and you're not thinking that, that a, a, a semi-truck is actually going to be a police car or, or radioing up 
to uh, officers up the road and, and going to catch you for speeding. But that's what they would do. So they would wait for somebody to go blowing past them. And this is in Florida. I mean, if you've ever driven in Florida, it's pretty fla- flat, obviously, uh, relatively straight for all the highways. And, and people routinely go very, very fast in Florida. It, it's rare to see people doing even close to the speed limit there in Florida. So these troopers that would be waiting up the road, they would conduct the traffic stop and the tractor trailer driver would just be calling it up. But it, but it looks like a Florida state patrol vehicle. And you would think that would raise some kind of suspicion. Hey, I'm, I'm passing the semi that looks like a Florida patrol car, but, but you would think that you would slow down, but uh, apparently people just don't pay attention uh, that well. Uh, one sergeant said, believe it or not, people will pass this truck, although it's marked as one of our units, and most people pay no mind because this type of vehicle is the last thing someone is thinking about is going to help pull them over. For one reason or another, the Florida Highway Patrol, at some point then, has now authorized the drivers of the semis, these troopers who are driving the semis, to actually start stopping speeders on their own instead of just spotting someone and then calling ahead and having somebody else pull them over. It's something they they don't do, but now they're starting to do it. They've actually been doing the same thing in Tennessee, using a semi-truck to spot bad drivers uh, and then call ahead to the waiting patrol officers up the road and then pull you over. Well, now you know. See, this is a public service, people. It's a public service. So now I'm trying to help you out. So if you if you see a semi, you can't necessarily just think, oh, it's just some random guy driving from here to Charlotte and got to uh, drop off this this load of potatoes. That's not the case. It, it could be uh, somebody that's going to report you for speeding as you go whizzing by them. Uh, it's something I didn't know. I, I actually... Heard of truck drivers being part of the safety patrol, and if they saw something where someone needed assistance, they would call it in. But I didn't really hear of anything where they would uh, only call in for speeders. Um, so that's interesting. And uh, now, now you know. At least now you have. Now you've been forewarned. Yeah, because you see that campaign too to call the state patrol to report aggressive drivers or or, or speeders. It's usually the star. And then if it's Florida Highway Patrol, you go FHP or or CHP or whatever state you're in. Um, but now I'm going to have to be on the lookout for semi-drivers as police cars. All right. What if you could show up to an airport and instead of going through a whole COVID test, as some airports are now giving you, where you have to stick that thing in your nose, wait 15 or 20 minutes, and you get that rapid test, what if you could show up to the airport and have a dog just sniff you to determine if you have COVID? That's happening right now in Finland. There are three dogs, and they have sniffed swabs that have been taken from 2,200 passengers since the testing booth was set up at their airport's arrival hall, and they found that the virus is present in less than 1% of travelers. But the amazing thing is that these dogs... And their noses are sensitive enough to smell the virus. Now, when I was was thinking about this story, as I I read it the other day, if you have a swab and you put it in somebody's nose, 
And let's say that somebody has the COVID. And they take that COVID soiled swab and they stick it in front of the nose of the dog. Presumably, isn't the dog sniffing the COVID? Right? Because you would think that some of the virus things, viruses, might come off of the swab and wouldn't be trapped necessarily all over the swab. And some of it might come up and then get into the dog. Because haven't we, didn't we hear early on that, that dogs and cats could catch it? Maybe they're, maybe they're immune. Maybe they've already had it. Maybe they have a dog vaccine for the COVID and, and you don't have to worry about it. But I'm, I'm worrying about the dogs. Now, I think it's a great idea because a dog can, boom, instantly smell it and probably could smell it as you walk up before you even stick the swab in your nose. Dogs are really good about smelling. And then cats, too, they're they're good about, you've heard about the, the, the stories about uh, a cats in nursing homes that will go into the room of uh, a patient or if it's a hospice, go into the room of somebody and be able to almost smell that those people are are about to pass away. So animals obviously have some extra great sense of smell and what's happening, and I, I think it's a great idea. And, and although this research is not due for total completion until December, the team that's working on it say the initial findings say that it's it's really good and, and, and that the detection rates of the nasal PCR tests are in line with what the dogs are finding. And the researchers are now analyzing how closely these two sets of results match each other, whether the dogs find coronavirus in passengers whose infection was confirmed by the PCR test, and they want to publicize these findings at the end of the year. So imagine you just have dogs not only sniffing for explosives that are walking through the airport, but they're also sniffing for viruses or other illnesses that you might spread all over the aircraft and all over the airport. I mean, they say the dogs can detect the virus with almost 100% accuracy up to five days earlier than a PCR test. That is remarkable. About 100 travelers a day have been queuing up for this test there in Finland, which involves wiping the swab under the, under the skin, and then you put it in the front of the dog, who then sniffs it and then hopefully doesn't get the COVID. <laughs> I'm just worried. I'm just worried about the dog. As right, we should be. Speaking of going global, just down the road, Eskosh, from Finland is Sweden. Now, a few episodes back, I had a great conversation with 911 driving school owner Jeff Westover, and someone reached out to me to tell me about something else that is helping out new drivers. There's a phone app that is helping teens and new drivers learn the rules of the road and helps them ace their driving tests. This app is called Zootobi, and the founder, as well as the head of growth for Zootobi, Leo Waldenbach, is joining me from Sweden to talk all about this app and how it can help students learn to drive. Leo, welcome to the world-famous Driving Your Crazy podcast. Thanks for having me, Jason. So before we talk about the specifics of the app and how it works, let's talk about you. Uh, how's, how's it going in Sweden right now? <laughs> well... 
of course, with Corona, it's it's a it's a special world right now. But we're managing. We're just focused on you know creating, improving our uh, company, improving our courses. So for us, the team at Zotobi, we've just been, you know, grinding, grinding through this entire time actually. So, um, I mean, I'm glad I'm at a point in my life where I have something to really focus, you know, doing. So. Uh, I'm doing quite well, actually, regarding disregarding the circumstances. How tough is driving in and around Sweden? Um, it's it's very tough. It's very tough. But we have rigorous courses. We have a great driver's education system. And, you know, that's just where we started off. Like we saw that around the globe. Um traffic accidents are so prevalent and the main cause of tra traffic accidents or a lot of them are caused by drivers not having enough well knowledge so they make driver errors and these are highly preventable accidents so what we just did was that we took driver's education from sweden we took driver's education from australia we took driver's education from the uk and germany and the us and we kind of merged them into this ultimate driver's education course for you know creating the best experience the best learning and the best memory retention so what's your background then in is it either app development or is it in driving and teaching how to drive that led you to create this new app yeah, we've worked or I've worked with um, a draw or an education, an online education company before. So I already know what people want and what they need. So that just, you know, got us into this when we saw the terrible statistics and also, you know, how uh, we were affected. A lot of us in the Zotobi founder team were actually a bunch of brothers. So we had a traffic accident close to the family. And then we were like, okay, this wasn't a preventable accident. Why wasn't it prevented? And that's where we started thinking, you know, what can we do? Is there anything we can do to increase um, the knowledge of drivers on the roads? And well, since we were already in the e-learning game, it was easy for us to transition to driver's education. So let's talk about the app. How does it work? And after I download it onto my phone, what does it look like? And take me through some of those steps. Yeah, sure. So we've created a gamified all-in-one driver's education app. So it has both driving theory, summarized driving theory, and practice tests. What's gamified with it is that it has point system, it has achievements, level up systems, and you're, you can also... Um, compete with your friends and this has pr proven to be remarkable in terms of you know memory retention and the speed at which the students are learning and this is true for all teens but especially teens who you have problems concentrating normally so they you know whatsapp message or or talking with their friends or talking to them or they just don't want to study and this gamification that we have integrated in our app has just proven to be remarkable with teens and young adults and young adults. Um, but if we look at how the app is the layout of the app, well, it's built into lessons. So 
each lesson focuses on specific topics. This can be use of lights, traffic lights, warning signs, railroad crossings, how to drive safely near pedestrians. And what we do then is that we let the student read through a summarized version of that topic. So they know everything they need to know to become a safe driver on that topic. And then we reinforce the information with practice tests. And these practice tests are highly similar to that of the real permit test. So you get both the you know, permit test practice and preparation, but you also get the foundation to become a safe driver through the theory that many people actually skip because the handbook is so boring normally. And is this maybe better than just reading through the handbook? Because like you said, there are some gaming type aspects to it at the same time as you're learning you're also having fun at the same time yeah yeah i mean i think that's the future of driver's ed to make things fun because that's how you get people to study and i think that's just been a huge part of today's problem and why teens are so likely to be involved in accidents it's just the fact that teens have a hard time studying sometimes and they don't get the foundation right so they need that extra little push and we give that through gamification, making it like a game. So they want to study, not that they have to study. Is it an app that maybe you would suggest using, the teens using, let's say if they're in the car with their parents as their parents are driving, maybe they can use the app at the exact same time so they can see any of these real life things happening on the road? Is is that a decent suggestion? Um, yeah, I haven't thought about that actually, but probably, probably, I mean, Leo, yeah, I'm an, I, I'm an idea guy, Leo. So yeah, you go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thanks for the idea. We should probably put that in app, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean the, the main thought is like, we have a lot of real life situations. We have a lot of visuals to make, you know, uh, to increase retention and remembering because it's proven that real life situations so the teens can actually learn and then they can see what it could look like in real life so i mean i think probably the best way is to read the theory first and then look at those things when driving with your parents i'm speaking with leo waldenbach he is the head of growth and co-founder of zootobi it's an app and it helps kids learn about driving, and it's an education app, and it's really interesting. You can get it right now on iPhones and on Android, and the link to it is here on the description of the show. You were talking about how you took all the different driving styles from around Europe, or United States, Australia. There are a lot of different driving styles regionally within the United States, and I imagine it's the same thing around the world that Germans will drive different than Sweden and then different than Australia and different than Spain. So how do you incorporate that in the app when you have so many different driving styles, not only in one country like the United States, but around the world? Yeah, so what we did was to take concepts of things like videos or how to present certain things um, and just make the ultimate course. But we have entire teams working to main maintain the the courses update them and make sure that they are correct for each country each state uh wherever they are but we make sure we take it very seriously we make sure to have people from 
each country creating the courses with us. So we don't create the courses. We make sure to have experts in education, senior drivers with a lot of experience creating these courses each step of the way and also maintaining them and updating them as we go. So if I'm in the United States, I download the app and I'm looking at driving instruction for the United States. If I'm in France, I'm going to look at the driving instruction for France, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And we've made sure that we we don't rush uh, new countries because we want to create them right. So we make sure that they are the best in the country, in each country we, we, like in the United States, we are positive that we have the best driver's education in the whole United States. And we wouldn't want to have it any other ways, way. And we wouldn't even think about, you know, releasing a new country before we have it like that in the United States. Do you cover every possible scenario or just some of the top driving issues uh, that might, that some kid might face while they're out driving? We cover most situations, but we don't cover everything. It's uh, it's a balance because, well, we need to create an engaging, high-quality course that people can actually complete. So if we were to take driving emergencies, for example, well, we could cover 100 different driving emergencies, but 70 of those, well, there's a there's 0.0% chance that you will actually be involved in a driving emergency like that. So we have to choose the most common ones and maybe the most dangerous ones. But we try to make sure to cover as much as possible while still making sure that people can go through our course. And you cover some of those on your website, on the blog. And I want to talk about some of those in just a little bit because some of them are great. And it really, I think, helps out kids to at least read it before they get into those situations. But we'll talk about that in just a little bit. But I also talk a lot about weather and how weather affects the drive. I'm sure weather affects the drive a lot there in Sweden with the cold weather. You're going to see a lot of snow, but you're also going to have uh, kids having to deal with hydroplaning and just a lot of water. Also, sun glare. Sun is a huge issue for the commute, at least here in the in the Denver area and across the United States. And I would imagine it's similar uh, there in Sweden if you're heading into the direct sun. So what about dealing with uh, some of the weather issues? Is that covered in the app? Yeah, definitely. I mean, we cover everything that you need to know to become a safe driver. We make sure that you know how to cooperate with other drivers, how to drive near pedestrians, trucks how to drive in different kinds of weather conditions, what to do. We don't, you know, that, that's a big issue with the driver's education in the United States nowadays, that it's a lot of it is focused on getting people to pass the permit test, or at least that's how a lot of students think. But um, we try to not think about the permit test, but think about how to create drivers that can actually drive on the road without being hazards so um well we we make sure to include all of those different types of situations that you can actually be involved in like different weather conditions like driving in fog driving in heavy rain driving on when it's snow outside stuff like that you mentioned driving tests 
this is obviously a preparation for us to pass a driving test. In the United States, all the different 50 states have different driving tests, so you must have to cover all of those Plus, I would imagine that the driving test in Sweden, where you are, is going to be different than the driving test in the Netherlands or the driving test in Switzerland. So how do you deal with all the different driving tests that you have to uh, teach to? Yeah, it's it's the same thing um, as I previously talked about. We make sure to have entire teams from each country that are developing these uh, courses. So everything is up to date, up to point and accurate for each state, each country, wherever we are. I'm speaking with Leo Waldenbach. He's the co-founder of Zootobi. It's an app that helps kids and, I guess, adults, if you will, in their driving education. And he's also the head of growth. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about uh, adults. I I think, and I've always advocated that I think adults should go through driving courses again and again because I really think that helps them at least re-remember the rules of the road, what they're supposed to be doing, and maybe they'll drive a little bit better. Um, what What do you think about adults using the app? Yeah, yeah. I mean... That's that's a great point. We definitely advocate the same thing. We think that people have a responsibility to re- refresh their knowledge every so often because it's just natural that you forget things after a while. After four years, if you haven't refreshed the road rules, you probably will have re- forgotten a lot of basics. And you will also probably have started you know, pushing the boundaries a little bit, driving a little bit quicker not maintaining the safety margin that you need to maintain. So I definitely recommend people to use our app as a refresher course to refresh your knowledge just to, well, first of all, if they haven't got the foundation already because they had bad driver's education before, but also to refresh their knowledge to just, okay, what you've, how you've started driving, that's not how you should drive, but it's, after a while, it's something that a lot of drivers tend to you know, push the boundaries. No, that's a good point. Uh, and it's interesting you say that. Just because we started driving a certain way doesn't mean that's the way we should be driving. And we could always yeah. go through those, recourse, uh, those uh, refresher courses again, and maybe it would prevent crashes like the one that your family had to go through. Yeah, I, I think so, definitely. And I mean... If we look at the statistics throughout the United States, about 50% nationwide fail their permit test the first try. And that's just, well, it's horrible statistics, but it also tells you that there are a lot of teams that, you know, pass the permit test just barely without any knowledge whatsoever. And how can you become a safe driver if you don't have the foundation, you know, beforehand? Because then you will start learning things your own way you will have to you will have to get the knowledge somehow and probably you will learn it the wrong way so i mean i think that's a massive problem and i think like i've said previously i think that's a big reason why we have the statistics that we have and as well as it's been proven that teens after they when they start driving alone they completely disregard a lot of these major well major driving rules that they should be following, like uh, talking on their phone, texting, or driving distracted, driving too quickly. And these are things that, I mean, 
if they understood why they shouldn't be doing them, a lot of more teens probably wouldn't be doing them. What is the cost of this app? How much does it cost me to download it, to go through any of the programs? And how many programs are there available for me to use? Yeah. Uh, so on the web, we have a lot of content, premium content that you can access right now for free. That will help you a lot. In the app, we're experimenting. But right now, you can start a free trial. And then it's $4.99 a week. And why we chose weekly prices, because we know that a lot of teens are studying the days before the test. So we can't have a free month price for, because then nobody would sign up. So we had to find a compromise and we can also see that it doesn't take many weeks to study. And then you get premium driver's education. So um, yeah, it's, it's a bit different depending on if it's the web or the app, because in the, on the web, we can, we provide different options. You can study a month, you can study three months, or you can study a week, depending on what you need. But that isn't available in the app. So we talk about the website, and there is a section on your website at Zootobi.com. Uh, it's Z-U-T-O-B-I.com, and you can get the link on the description of the show here. One of the most impressive parts is really the, is the blog that's on there, and, and it covers all kinds of great topics like... How to use a roundabout. I, I love roundabouts. I'm a big fan of the roundabout because you keep traffic moving. So why, why do we get so many people that can't deal with a roundabout? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm, I, don't, know, I don't know, Jason. <laughs> but I mean, roundabouts, I, I think they're great as well. I think it just comes down to people are used to intersections. And people don't like new things. But if we look at like the statistics of roundabouts, they are great. They reduce accidents. They're cheaper. Uh, they're just great overall. And you don't have to worry about the right of way rules. You don't have to worry who has to go first because it's very simple. You yield to the person inside the roundabout. Yeah, I, I, I find them easy to use. But uh, do you have a lot of them there in Sweden? Yeah, yeah, we have a lot of them. I'm speaking with Leo Waldenbach. He's the head of growth and the co-founder of Zootobi, uh, the app about driving education. You also have on your blog a bunch of other interesting stories, including one that says how to handle a tire blowout, the step-by-step -step guide. Uh, I think that's one of those experience kind of issues where you could learn about it by reading about it all day long, but until you really experience it, you're really not going to know what to do and how to handle it. Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree to a point. So experience in these kinds of situations is king. But experience for, well, tire blowout, it's hard to get. So the next best thing is preparation. And, well, if you don't prepare by reading beforehand, then you will have no clue whatsoever what to do. So it will be guesswork. Half of the time you will have a very bad crash and half of the time you will make it because you did something right so there i would say that by getting information beforehand we hope that somewhere in the back of your mind you will at least remember some things you will remember that you shouldn't um break harshly in the case of a tire blowout you should just let the car slow down or brake gently 
even though it's a natural reaction to just push the brakes. So uh, I think that's how we're thinking, because if you're in a situation where your life, where you, it could actually be a potentially fatal crash, would you want to have a chance to remember what to do? Or would you want to guess? You have another blog post here about how to overcome fear of driving with six key tips. I think some people, especially new drivers, they can be scared behind the wheel because it, it is a big responsibility and some people take it as a responsibility. Other people just get in and go and, and they don't really care about what they're doing or, or what they're in and, and how dangerous it really can be. But there are kids that will be scared about driving and that can be almost as dangerous as being reckless while you're driving. How, how, do you yeah. get, how do you get people to overcome those fears? Well, driving anxiety is very difficult and it varies from person to person. But, well, I think it's a lot about the foundation. Once again, if you come to an intersection, you're a new driver, you don't know who should go first. That's a stressful situation. And that's where you start making mistakes in stressful situations. So you need to know this information by heart. You need to know that that car over there should proceed first. I should not. Otherwise, it will become a stressful situation. You start making mistakes. The second thing I think a lot of teens that it's hard if you have driving anxiety, but you need to get experience behind the wheel. I had a friend, a very close friend, actually, who he, he was looking forward to getting his driver's license a lot. And then he got behind the wheel and he had crazy amounts of driving anxiety. So his parents had to force him into the car, like you have to learn how to drive. And he didn't want to. And he's told me that in the beginning, it was horrible. And he was driving really slowly, which is like you said, it's very dangerous because driving too slowly can be just as dangerous as driving too quickly. But you tend to do that if you have driving anxiety. But he said that after about 40 minutes, uh, of driving, it started to ease up a little bit. And after he felt comfortable, he made sure to study study the foundation, the rules of the road, knew them by heart. And after a while, he got comfortable behind the wheel. Now, I think that is, you know, the the kind of the type of driving anxiety that most teens have. But of course, not all of them, because some can be caused by traumatic, uh, like some trauma or something like that. But I mean, I think a lot of the time it comes down to just learning the rules of the road correctly by heart and practicing, practicing a lot. You were bringing me back by talking about a traumatic situation. My first wreck when I was 16 was I, I drifted a little bit. I, I was distracted by something. This was well before cell phones you had in the car. But I drifted a little bit. So I was in the left lane of a two-lane road, drifted a little bit into the turn lane, and there was a pickup truck in that turn lane, stopped to make a left turn. Well, I saw the pickup truck too late, and I, I slammed on the brakes, and the you know the car craters down and then shears off the whole front of the car. But I, I was freaked out after crashing the car like that, and it made me not want to drive for a while. Now, it did take me a little bit of time to say, all right, I'm going to go back and do it. But it, to your to your um, example there, it's the same thing. You, you, you get these irrational fears 
and you just have to overcome it even if you're in a crash or you're not in a crash. Yeah, I mean, your situation is very... Well, yeah, it, it's, it can probably be much more difficult for you if you have some bad situation like that when driving or some family member might have been involved in a crash or something like that. But, yeah, I mean, if you don't get behind the wheel, you're probably never going to get over it. So I think that's the only way, although I am not an expert on driving anxiety. So, I mean, that's my advice. And then if maybe you, you can talk to someone about it, find out what the fears are and talk about them so you can move on. I also see on this blog a couple of interesting things. One, it's how to drive a stick shift. At least in the United States, we're getting away from stick shift cars. Maybe they have more of them in Europe. Why, why do you teach about stick shifts when, for the most part, most cars are going away from it? Yeah, yeah. Well, our reasoning there was that sometimes... Uh, if you're going to Europe, if you're traveling to Europe, then you might have to drive. Uh, then you, you might have to drive a manual car. So that's why. Not we know that automatic cars are prevalent in the United States, and there are almost no manual cars. But we feel that's the thing again. We feel like we need to teach people so at least they have some kind of knowledge in case they they uh, come across the situation. Like so are there a lot more than manual cars there in Europe? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I would say like probably like one third of the cars or something wow. like that. My, my, my father, he didn't even want to get an automatic car because <laughs> he liked so yeah. much <laughs> driving manual. So I'm the same way. I used to love to, I used to love this shift. It was great. Uh, it was uh, you. I think you get a more a better feel for the car and for the road and for the and for driving. It's bad in stop and go traffic, that's for sure. But it, I enjoyed I enjoyed it a lot. You also have a little blog on uh, hand signals. Nobody uses hand signals anymore except for the one where they're they're you know showing you the number one signal. Yeah, but it's, it's, yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, it's yeah, it, I, I agree with you. It's it's highly unlikely that you have to use hand signals, but in case you have you 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 your something goes wrong with the car, then you may need to, and then it's good to know. Like it's pretty basic, and it's good information to know in case the worst happens. It probably won't, but in case. I'm speaking with Leo Waldenbach. He's the head of growth and the co-founder of Zootobi. It's a driving education app that you can download right now on your phone. You can also get the link at the description of this show. Uh, I want to talk to you real quickly about um, getting pulled over. I, I know it's controversial here in the United States. We've heard a lot about that. But getting pulled over, whether it's in the United States or in Europe, it has to be a similar situation. Do you talk about that on the app or just on your blog? Um, yeah. I mean, you said you were impressed by our blog. I can tell you that our courses, you will be very impressed by them. So, I mean, we we do uh, provide content on our blog, but our courses, they are, they they go through stuff like that. We have, and it, I think it's called emergency vehicles, our chapter where we go through how to act near, um, well, emergency vehicles. And if you get pulled over, we have a step-by-step -step guide what you should do. That's great. What do you think about autonomous cars? When autonomous cars start driving themselves, they're not going to need us to learn about how to drive, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I, have, I have nightmares about them. 
<laughs> but but uh, jokes aside, I think it's 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 going to take a while to get fully um, autonomous cars. Uh, we are very far away from that, and then we have legislation that will you know be a couple of years after we've actually got autonomous cars. So I think we've got a couple of years until we see we start seeing them on the roads in any kind of, well, where we see them often. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's going to be a lot of years down the road. And then the question is, do you mingle people-driven cars with computer-driven cars? And then that's inherently dangerous. And so it, it, there are, I think there's a lot yeah. of stuff to work out there. And I think like most people as well, they don't want to give like all of the control to the car. They want to be able, in case of an emergency, they want to be able to take control of the car. They want to have the ultimate control in case something bad happens. And then you will still need to have a license. You will still need to know the rules of the road. So, I mean, for it to go like where you can sleep in the back seat, <laughs> I think that's like very, very far away. So I'm not that scared, but we, we until that time, we do want to make drivers as safe as possible. And finally, describe, if you will, because most people that are listening, the way we do have listeners around the world. We are really downloaded a lot in Russia just uh, the last month for some reason. I don't know why. Also in Spain and <laughs> Germany. Uh, so there'll be people from Europe listening. But tell me about the driving in Sweden before and during and now at the tail end, hopefully, of the pandemic. What was driving like before and now during this pandemic there in Sweden? So what, what do you mean, like, more uh, How much was, was traffic volume picking up? Were there a lot of people driving? Is there just not as much driving now? What is uh, driving like then compared to now? Yeah, I mean, I think... Like I'm not quite sure actually. Did you drive? Do you I, not drive very much? Do you ride your bike, or how does that? Do you, how do you get around? Uh, well, I work from home, so I don't need to drive <laughs> all that much. <laughs> but but I mean, uh, I think for a time there, a lot of people work from home. But people are getting tired of of COVID, so I think it's going to get back into pace, like the normal pace soon. Uh, and hopefully, I, I read about the new vaccine, so hopefully we can get that out soon and things can re begin to return to normal. I mean, do you have uh, traffic people on your local news broadcast telling you about crashes and other issues like for your morning or afternoon commutes? Uh, yeah, 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 definitely we do. We do. There are a lot of crashes in Sweden as well, but we have a very um, difficult driver's education system. So you have to get, 58 out of 65 questions right and you have to go through a minimum amount of hours before you can take the test and it's the same for the united states with um drive set state approved drive set for teens but the thing with drive with the united states for example in new york you only have to get 16 out of 20 questions mm -hmm. right so you don't have to have all that much knowledge which is a huge issue when you later become a driver because it's, it's just a, a wicked system that you have to get 16 out of 20 questions right. And you most of the time, you also know kind of what the questions could look like. And then you don't think about the consequences about studying the night before. And, well, um, as well as that you can fail, which we see in the statistics, that 50% fail it. 
failed the permit test the first time. And, and what is um, uh, I was getting, what is the driving age uh, for Sweden? Same as the United States? No, uh, we can start driving uh, earlier, but we have different types of licenses. Uh, but it's it's eighteen typically. Yeah, I, I I know it would make a lot of teens mad, but I, I think the same thing should happen in the United States. I think it should be raised <laughs> to at least seventeen or eighteen because given give it a car and that responsibility to a fifteen year old, even though they're not uh, allowed to really be by themselves till they're sixteen, still that's pretty young to be handed such a responsibility. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, and I do think as well that with age, you become more responsible. So it doesn't have to be many years. But I, I do agree that we that 17 years old could be much better. And then maybe we could see that people are taking more responsibility on the roads. And maybe the, sh- the difference between the age groups wouldn't be so big. Because right now, 16 to 19 years old, years old they really the teens they they are crushing it in terms of uh, crashes so so i mean it i definitely agree with you that age is a factor here and the reason why the statistics are so poor in the united states leo waldenbach from sweden the head of growth and the co-founder of zootobi the app that can help you and your teen uh, driving and, and get some uh, better education. And uh, if somebody wants to download it, can they just find it right there on their iPhone or their Android or it's on all the, uh, yeah. all the, all the phones, right? Yeah. Yeah. They, we have it on Android. We have it on iPhone. We have, you should be able to find us pretty easily because we're big. We, we have 200,000 monthly users and we have 40,000 ratings. So you should be able to find us pretty quickly. That's awesome. Well, thank you. I had a blast uh, chatting with you here from as you're from Sweden and I'm here in the United States. Uh, eight hour difference. That's pretty cool. So, uh, thanks to technology, we can do this. So, I appreciate Leo your uh, your time and your expertise and great luck with the app. Yeah, thanks a lot, Jason. It was great talking to you. Again, that app is called Zootobi. Z U T O B I. I have the link in the description of this show to their website. And from there, you can get the app on your Android phone or your iPhone. You can also rate, rinse, and repeat about this show or, or you know, this episode or all the episodes, if you don't mind. I'd appreciate you doing that, especially on iTunes. It helps me out a ton. Uh, as I was asking Leo that question about using the app while driving, I was really wondering... <laughs> And this was just going over my whole in my head the whole time, and I and I just couldn't bring it out. I I had I just didn't know how I was going to react. But I was wondering if it would be productive or counterproductive if you were using the app while driving, <laughs> not just using the app while your parents are driving, but using the app learning to drive while actually driving. I don't think Leo would have uh, would say that's probably a recommended use of the app. But you know, now that I think about it, it'd actually be a nice feature of the app, it, it, maybe in a future uh, update. You, let's say this. You set the phone in one of those holders on the windshield. I have one of those so I can uh, see the phone, right? You use it for GPS or whatever. So you set the phone in the holder that's on the uh, dashboard or on the windshield, and you turn on the app, and let's say it has a camera that's going uh, like a dash cam would, right? So it can see what you see. And as you drive, let's say you are approaching a four-way stop, it tells you, the driver, 
on the right will have the right away if you both arrive at the same time at the four-way stop. So it's educating you while you are actually driving and giving you real-life examples of what you should do while you're actually doing it. It watches you drive and then helps you learn as you're, as you're driving in those real-life situations. Maybe, let's say, it's sensitive enough to know that you have started to slide a little bit. It's a little bit icy. Maybe it's snowy. And then uh, it says, hey, make, turn right to go left. That sort of thing. Gives you these helpful tips. Don't go through that red light. Um, stop, you know, or the yellow light. Don't speed up. Slow down at the yellow light. Don't pull out halfway when, when you're at the intersection making the left. Stay back to the, uh, to the uh, crosswalk. Watching you drive, helping you learn to drive as you are driving. I, I, I actually, I think this is a brilliant idea. But, but look, I'm just an idea guy. I would have no idea how to get this done. Maybe Leo knows how to get it done. All I ask is a 10% ID, idea fee. That's it. Just see, look, a minor 10% idea fee. And, and, and you could send the checks to 123 Spear Boulevard, Denver, Colorado, 80203. Boom. There you go. I, I, you see? Learning to drive while driving as it's watching you drive. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. You can also contact me if you want to by dropping me an email at drivingyoucrazypodcast at gmail.com. You can also call me on the phone uh, or at least leave a message on my voicemail at 303-832-0217. And if you want to call me globally, hey, I have WhatsApp. Uh, so we can always hook up. And then, of course, Zoom. That's how I was hooking up with uh, Leo. We uh, talked on the old Zoom, and so it worked out really well. So it makes it makes calling across the world easy. There you go. Well, anyway, thank, <laughs> thanks to Leo for joining me here on the show. Thanks for listening. And until next time, I'm Jason Luber, the Traffic Guy. Be safe, and as always, happy motoring.